just real quick, that ought to be a part of every person's life. And that's a testimony of how Jesus saved you. Now, my testimony is a little different than most. I don't have these great uh, pulling out of sin moments. You see, I was a child raised in the church, in a Baptist church, nonetheless, Southern Baptist. And they sent a group of us kids to summer camp out at Lake Yale Baptist uh, camp, which is down on... I can't even think of the name, but if you go down 42 long enough, you'll see a big sign that says Lake Yale Baptist that way. And uh, the last day, somebody came and they spoke and they gave the gospel presentation in a way that my little mind understood. See, I was a third grader. And I gave my life to Jesus Christ. But one thing I knew for certain that if I had died before I had done that, I would not have woken up in heaven. I knew it on the inside of me just as surely as I knew my name. What's my name again? Oh, yeah. I'm just kidding. But I knew it. And from that moment on, when I said, Jesus, come into my heart, be my master and my savior, I give my life to you, all of it. It's like a light switch came on. I was different. I was different than I was. And as I traveled through, I knew God's calling on my life. And I didn't want to do it. Because believe it or not, I was afraid to stand up and talk in front of people. Can y'all believe that now? No, none of y'all. Y'all are like, no, he, you long-winded preacher. So, but I knew I was different. And as I look back and I look at my teenage years and the things that he saved me from, from experiencing, because I didn't grow up in a great area. Drug labs and meth labs were right down, right down, right three doors down. But he kept me from some of that. You see, my story is a story of God's staying power. I don't care where you are in your life, whether you are um, having troubles with alcoholism, drug abuse, with pornography, with whatever it may be, there is a God who is alive, who is powerful, and he can change your life immediately just like that. And that's my story. And as somebody said, I'm sticking to it. Today we're talking about the resurrection. And there are three things that the resurrection is. There's a lot that the resurrection is. But we're going to talk about three things in particular that the resurrection is. And I'm going to be reading out of Matthew 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. 
His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And so they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, Rejoice! And so they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now while they were going... Behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them, his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. And so they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee <clears throat> to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Let's pray. Oh God, when I think about how you've used people in this congregation to spread the gospel, I am amazed. When I think about how you have used me to speak into lives, because I know who I am, I am amazed. And Lord, I just thank you that you reach down to the depths of our sin, and you don't leave us there, you pull us out of it, and you forgive us, and you cleanse us. And that's what resurrection is about and we thank you, Jesus, for it. I thank you that you did not stay in the grave, but that you rose. And you said you're coming back the same way you left. And we praise you for that in advance. And now, Lord, I ask that if you can use the donkey to speak your word, I ask that you would use me. Lord, help us all to understand your word a little more and to put it into practice in Jesus' mighty name the strong Son of God. Amen. The resurrection, there are three events that happen. The resurrection is a miraculous event. It is a happy event. And it is still a life-changing event today. Matthew 28, 1 through 4, it'll be on the screen. After the Sabbath set... <clears throat> After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, rolled away the stone, and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. And the guards trembled in fear of him and became like dead men. You know, there are several things that come into play here. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here in the story. 
uh, as it were, I'm going to spend some time here relating just a few things that jump out immediately. First, it was after the Sabbath that Jesus rose. Did you see that? It was the first day of the week, knowing and making known that it is a new thing that is happening. It is a great thing that is happening. The old covenant had been fulfilled. The new covenant was established in his blood. So from Friday night to Sunday, he laid in the tomb. Why? Why would he wait so long to raise from the dead? Well, we can find an answer to that in a similar story that happened. And it's about a man named Lazarus. And at this time, John 11:1, 1, it says, At this time, a man named Lazarus was sick, and he lived in Bethany in the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary, whose brother Lazarus was sick, was to anoint the Lord with perfume and wipe his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So on hearing that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two days. That's important. Remember that. For two days. And he said to the disciples, let us go back to Judea. I'm going to jump to verse 20 because we're not going to go through all that. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha replied, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. How she was right, but she was completely wrong. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she answered. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after Martha had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside to tell her, the teacher is here and is asking for you. And when Martha heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. And now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were in the house consoling Mary saw how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. And when Mary came to Jesus and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and troubled. And he asked, where have you put him? Come and see, Lord, they answered. And Jesus wept. Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them asked, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept Lazarus from dying? Sure he could have. Jesus, once again deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the front entrance. Do you see a parallel there? Jesus was buried in a tomb with a stone laid across to the front entrance. Take away the stone, Jesus said. And I love this by Martha. Lord, by now he stinks. 
And if you're a fan of the King James Version, it says, but he stinketh. I like that version a little bit right there. The sister of the dead man said this, that was Martha. It has already been four days. So he was good and dead. Good and dead, there was no doubt. Because he already stinks. And Jesus replied, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And then Jesus lifted his eyes upward and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I say this for the benefit of the people standing here, so they may believe that you sent me. And after Jesus had said this, he called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the man who had been dead came out with his hands and feet bound in strips of linen and his face wrapped in a cloth. Those were called the grave clothes. Unwrap him and let him go, Jesus told them. You see, Lazarus had been dead for four days. For three days, there would be rituals that were normally done to a body in order to preserve it for the resurrection. Oils would have been applied. Perfumes would have been applied to the body. They were trying to preserve it as much as they could for the resurrection at the end of the, day, at the, end of the age where they would be brought forth. But there comes a time when a body has gone beyond the point of, shall we say, freshness, and literally will stink. So in verse 39, Jesus is told, by now he stinks. But to prove that he has authority over death, and that there would be no doubt of his power, Jesus did not come right out away and say, to Lazarus' aid when he heard that he was sick. He stayed two more days, two more days. He waited. And by the time he showed up, Lazarus had been dead for four days, buried in a cave with a stone in front of it. Jesus' orders the stone to be moved. And the paid mourners and friends of the family are probably thinking, this guy's lost his mind, he's nuts. Not only is there nothing Jesus can do in the face of death, but the dude stinks. But they move the stone anyway, and lo and behold, Jesus calls him forth, and he rises from the dead. There was no doubt that Lazarus was dead. There was no doubt Jesus was dead either. He had been beaten. He had been whipped. He had a crown of thorns shoved down on his head. He was weak already when they crucified him. As a matter of fact, because it was the Sabbath, the Romans went to the other two thieves and broke their legs. You see, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of it because we did that last Easter and it was a little disturbing. But you see, when you crucified someone, that is the worst death that man has ever thought of. Even to this day, you would literally lose your strength as you pulled yourself up and gasped for air. And you would do that by your hands and by your feet. And he had nails in those. And they would literally finally lose strength and drown in their own fluids. Now, in order to make that happen quicker because it was the Sabbath, the Romans broke the legs of the two thieves so that they would drown quicker. But Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. And so they took a spear. And we often call this the spear of destiny. And they plunged it into his side and blood and water flowed out. Meaning that more than likely doctors today have said that his heart had literally exploded. And so we know that he was good and dead. 
But according to the scripture, it says that not a single bone of his was broken. And guess what? Not a single bone of his was broken. To be sure, that spear, when that blood and water flowed out, the Romans knew how to make sure someone was good and dead. That was their job. They were, and I believe still are, the most ruthless army in all of history. The most powerful army in all of history. I don't care about our technological weapons and things of that nature. I'm telling you, these men were the most powerful men in all of history. The Roman Empire was the most powerful empire in all of history. But for three days, he stayed in that tomb. And he proved to all that not only was he dead, but that he was really dead. And on that day, he rose from the grave, and that's the first day of the week. Not only that, but there was an angel there, and it declared to the women who had come to perform the burial rituals. You see, they were still giving the burial rituals up until this point. So they knew he was good and dead. We read in John, they said, what have you done with the body of our Lord? Because they thought he was a gardener. Listen. They hear an angel. They go in and they see the tomb empty. They heard the words, but they still had doubts as they ran into him and said, what have you done with his body? And the angel had already said, he's already risen. But they still had doubts. But that didn't stop him from running to tell the disciples what was going on. That angel was spectacular. He was fearsome. And those Roman guards, those Roman soldiers that were there, they became afraid. They cowered and they were like dead men before the angel. Now you can say that was a miraculous event or that was a physical event. I don't care. The event is the event. They were like dead men before the angel. And notice Jesus starts the new covenant triumphant on the first day, not the last day of the week. Notice that Jesus had fulfilled the old covenant and starts the new covenant with the new day, the new week. Now, folks, that's a type and a shadow for the church age. Let me tell you this in case you haven't figured it out yet. Jesus is not dead, but he is alive even to this day. He sits at the right hand of the Father. To deny the power of the literal resurrection of Christ is to deny the gospel. To deny the gospel makes you no Christian at all. If you cannot believe the story as it's written in the scriptures, then you're an unbeliever and you're not a Christian and you either believe it or you don't believe it. That's it. It's time for you to get saved if you don't believe it. Sorry to tell you that. No, I'm not, but. Number two, the resurrection is a happy event. It is a happy event. Let's look at that. Matthew 28, 5. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he lay. 
Then go quickly and tell the disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they hurried away from the tomb in fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came to him and they grasped his feet and they worshipped him. And he said, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee where there they will see me. The women are not told to just take the angel's word that Jesus rose. They were invited to look in the tomb and see with their own eyes where he had been. you got to remember, they had been preparing his body, and all of a sudden, he's not there, and the angel says, he's risen, and they saw it, and they were like, oh! These women knew where Jesus' body was. They didn't start the day happy about Jesus. Do you think they got up knowing that he was going to rise from the grave on that day? No, they were in mourning, but they started it in sadness. But you see, God doesn't do the things you expect him to do. He usually does things in a way you don't understand or in a way you don't expect, whether it be a trial or a tribulation to get you from point A to point B to where you should be in his timetable or where he wants you to be whether it be supernatural or whether it be natural means, he's going to get the job done. He's going to put you, O oh Christian, where you're supposed to be. We in our little brains, though, we, we should have seen it coming and know he was, he was going to do a miraculous thing because he had said he was going to raise. But, but what happened? The flesh got in. And they said, they didn't say, I mean, this is the day Jesus is going to come back from the grave. No, I believe they were sad. And then when God does a miracle in their life and in our life, what happens? We are shocked. Should we be? No. He is God. We're so shocked and so amazed that we tend to tell people about it. We are happy and want to proclaim to the world what God has done. You know, when somebody buys a brand new car, everybody around them knows they bought that brand new car. Did you know that? Yeah, they know it. You know why? Because you told them. Because you excited. What happened to be excited for Jesus? What happened to being excited because of the resurrection? What happened to being excited because Jesus is God and has taken away your sin? He's taken upon himself and he has taken the beating and the pain and all of that into himself and said, I am the once for all sacrifice for all. What happened to being excited about that? Jesus said, come back to your first love. Do the things you used to do at the beginning. Well, what's the things you used to do when you got saved? You told people about it. I did. Sad part is, is unlike the women who are on their way to tell the disciples, when Jesus shows up, we get so focused on what he's done that we forget to worship him. They didn't. They bowed and they worshiped him and they thanked and they loved him. And then they did what... He, his clarifying instructions were. These women didn't forget, though. Man, they loved him. He didn't chastise them for their worship because the angel said, go and tell them. He didn't chastise them for stopping and thinking and loving and, and worshiping him. He just said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then he sends them on their way and tells them to tell the disciples where to meet him. If we as Christians would just worship 
when God has called us to do something, we would find that he might give us a direction or two to make our busy lives a little bit easier, a little bit happier. We would find maybe there would be some clarifying instructions. You see, we're so busy about being busy that sometimes we forget to sit at the master's feet. We forget to bow down and worship him. If we would just take the time out of our busy lives to worship him, we might find he's going to change our lives in a way we didn't expect. We might find that he will make our lives more fulfilling than it ever could have been if we'd stayed on the trajectory that we were headed. You might find that you're doing the will of God. And number three, the resurrection was a life-changing event, is still a life-changing event, and, and indeed was a world-changing event. Matthew 28, 16. Meanwhile, the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's good. I like that. All authority has been given to Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Uh-oh. You mean I got to do something? Oh, yeah. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We call this the Great Commission. It is the great mission of the church. I say it's the great mission of the church folk because the church is the people, not a building. Once you get that through your head. So what is the problem? Well, a true disciple of the Lord will be one who gives up their time for others. Wait a minute, you mean i got to give up my time? I, I, I can't come home and sit in my easy chair all the time? Nope. Give up some time. I don't mean to make converts either. I mean to make disciples. There's a difference. A disciple looks like their teacher. And sometimes I look and I go, man, Lord, I hope they don't look like me. Short and fat and bald. Oh, you mean morally speaking. Oh, okay. We're here to help others on their walk with Christ, to look like Christ. We're also to baptize them and teach them to obey all the commands of Jesus. What is his main command that he gave us? We just read it. To go and make disciples of all nations. All nationalities. This means the religious who don't really know him make disciples of him. This means the irreligious in our midst outside the church make disciples of him. This means the tattooed biker, the thief, the prostitute. It means we are to reach the so-called undesirables of this world. Make disciples of one. Someone saying, but pastor, I'm afraid of that person. Hey man, Jesus said he would be with you even to the end of the age. What are you afraid of? You got to just do it. There's a company and their logo is just do it. Yeah, Jesus said, go, just do it. But what if they kill me? Well, then you get to be a martyr for Christ. I don't see that happening in America too much, but definitely in other countries. And you know what those Christians do? They just do it. They do it anyway. They share Jesus anyway. So why can't we? 
Why can't we? Remember, as Christians throughout time who have been martyred remembered, they remembered this one thing that Paul wrote and probably a lot of different things as well. And this life is no longer about you. That's what they remember. It's about Jesus. His will, not your will. Besides, 2 Corinthians 5.8 says we are confident then and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. It is every Christian's desire to be away from the body and home with the Lord. Where there's no more tears, no more pain, no more sin to get in our way. But God in his ultimate wisdom has decided that we are here for a reason. We are here not for our own wants, not for our own desires, but that we are still here on this earth to do the mission of the believer, and that is to share Jesus with those that are dying and going to hell. If you truly believed that, you'd share him. How about it, church? Will you share Jesus with others? Or will you be selfish and do what you want to do? Now that's sin. And if you remember anything today, remember this. The resurrection is a miraculous, happy, and it is still a life-changing event even to this day. Let it change your life again. If you've been a Christian for 40 years and, and, and Easter's have come and gone, let this Easter be the one where you rededicate your life and you say, Jesus! I'm going to start sharing you more. I'm going to speak to that cashier down at the Walmart. I almost said Albertsons. We don't have those anymore. Walmart, Aldi's, wherever. Just don't be buying liquor at the liquor store. You know, that's a bad witness. Just saying. And if you're not a Christian, as the ladies come, then you have an, the penultimate opportunity this morning whether you're here whether you're listening by live stream or or audio you have the ultimate opportunity this morning and that is to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior that is to know the creator of the universe as intimately as a brother are you sure that you're sure that when you leave this world that you'll wake up in heaven and not in hell well, pastor, I can't believe you're talking about hell. Well, it's real. And that's the reality. Are you sure? If you're not sure, you can be sure today. You can say, Jesus, help me! Because <laughs> it's not about what comes out of the mouth, per se, but what's in the heart. Or you could say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. My sin separates me from you. Come into my heart, come into my life. Be my master, be my Lord, be my Savior. Every head bow, every eye closed this morning. If you know that you are truly not a Christian, you have not truly given your life to Jesus, but you want to, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now and I'll pray for you. I see that hand. Thank you. Let's pray. If this is you, pray with me. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that my sin separates me from you. 
Jesus, I thank you that you died and rose again. That you paid the price that I could not pay. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my master. Be my Lord. And I thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. Amen. As we stand and sing the invitation hymn,